shine forever your name is higher than the rising sun your name is higher than the rising sun everyone welcome to the second Sunday of Easter you can tell it's not Easter Sunday <laughs> you know uh, Christmas for Christians is a season that goes for 12 days not just one day and Easter is a season for Christians that goes for 50 days and uh, if you're good at math, you can figure out how many Sundays that will be. Uh, but we are often called an Easter people. That we rejoice in what happened for us and for the whole world on Easter Sunday. So let us rejoice in our songs as we sing our processional rejoicing in the great gift of Easter that God has given us. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. 
There is one body and one spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, the Lord be with you. Let us pray together the colic for purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Now let our joy in Easter ring out to Almighty God.
praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson is from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, and this can be found on page 1028 in the Pew Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna, to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel reading. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those 
who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, the gospel of our Lord. See you, Lord Christ. Let us pray for one moment. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Come and reveal Jesus to us through this beautiful book of Revelation. We lay our lives, our hearts, our minds before you. Come and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you guys. My name is Lenny Konchewitz. I am the resident church planter here at Grace. I'm originally from Germany, and we moved here two years ago just before COVID to lead the church plant out of Grace over in the World Golf Village area. We're planting the church called The Table. And um, yeah, I want to invite you all to come. You know, I don't know, some of you know Gus and Alice Richard probably, and um, they sold their house last year and bought a trailer and came over to St. John's to help us plant the church. And I want to encourage you to do likewise and follow in their footsteps. Um, yeah, you think I'm kidding, right? I'm not, yeah. Um, we are doing a little Q&A session at 12.15 after the second service in the fellowship hall. If any of you is interested, you're welcome to pop by and just hear a little bit of an update of what's been happening um, in the church plant and what we hope will be happening in this church plant. <laughs> um, it's been actually six months since I was last here, which I can't believe. The last time I was here, the big piano was up there on the stage. Um, I was here for Halloween, October 31st. So I'm, I'm back today, and today the topic is Revelation, and I guess depending on how you approach the book of Revelation, there could be similarities between Halloween and, and Revelation, right? Stories of ghosts and weird creatures. <laughs> but my hope and my prayer is that today, at the end of this sermon, you will leave with a stronger conviction of how amazing Jesus is, more than anything else. And I believe this is what the book of Revelation is all about. And um, I want to invite you to stay in the Bible with me if you have the Bible in front of you, the Pew Bible on page 1028. We're going to go through chapter 1. There is so much in there, and I don't have the time to talk about everything, and yet it might be easier for you to follow along if you have the text in front of you. If not, just pay really close attention, and I will try my best to lead you through, through this um, beautiful first chapter of Revelation. Now, we all know that we've been living in pretty challenging times, right? I mean, it, it seems like the world is just not wanting to just take a break from craziness and, and conflict and, and difficulties. And I believe, though, that every generation for the last 2,000 years has had their own share of intense difficulties. I don't think we are so alone in that. It's just more in our face because we have social media and we have 
the news, and we are constantly bombarded with everything. And that didn't used to be the case. But um, I'm not saying that what we're experiencing now is not difficult. I'm just saying that it's been somewhat like that for the last 2,000 years. And if you're a believer, you turn to the Bible to find some answers or to find a foothold somehow and, and to somehow put everything that's happening into the bigger context of God's grand story in the hope that somehow in the midst of all this mess, there is a prophetic light shining that will help us navigate through these difficult moments. And again, we're not the first generation that does that. For 2,000 years, people have opened the book of Revelation to try and make sense of what's happening in the world. I mean, I remember I grew up in the 80s. The 80s was a big end-time decade. I don't know if any of you remember that, but I grew up just being scared of the second coming of Jesus. I thought, oh my gosh, the Antichrist is about to pop up somewhere. You know, there were speculations and names floating around who the Antichrist could be. There were books written why Jesus would come back in 1988, and he didn't. So there was a sequel, why, why Jesus will come back in 1989. And he didn't either. And then throughout the 90s, right, leading up to Y2K, all the tension and the anxiety, and then Y2K came, Y2K came and nothing really happened, but then one year later, the 9-11 terrorist attack happened and everything changed again, and it's just been, oh my goodness. It seems like every 10 years or so, we have another reason to open the book of Revelation and, and wonder if what's written in there is taking place right now in front of our eyes. And so we have these big questions about this world, right? And especially when it comes to the book of Revelation. We wonder, when is Jesus going to come back finally? Who is going to be this mysterious figure of the Antichrist? And when is the millennium coming? You know, this big 1,000-year rule, reign of Christ. And depending on who you ask, everybody has different answers to that. It's really, it's really funny, actually, somehow. There's so many different ideas and, and ways of interpreting the book of Revelation. And I am so relieved that today I'm not going to answer any of these questions. All I have to do is stick to chapter 1, and I leave it to all the other amazing preachers at Grace to tell you exactly what everything else means. <laughs> I heard somebody figured out when Jesus is coming back, so make sure that you stay tuned to this sermon series. <laughs> but no, and, uh, we're, we're going to have actually a special um, introduction series to the book of Revelation this coming Tuesday at 7 p.m., where you will get an introduction from a more broader perspective and you're invited to join. I'm not going to touch on that because we will do that on Tuesday. Today, I'm really just going to focus on chapter 1. Now, I believe Revelation chapter 1 is actually very important to the rest of the entire book of Revelation. We must be careful that we don't rush through this beautiful chapter, but that we take in, that we marinate ourselves and everything chapter 1 has to say, it somehow it creates this, it sets the stage for the rest of the book, and it introduces us to some of the key players as well. And it's interesting that no evil creature, no antichrist, no dragon, no beast, none of that appears in the first book, and the first chapter of Revelation. I think that's significant. I believe in a way that you know, you know what these are, right? These are binoculars. So I got these from my son. They're a little bit 
messed up and broken. They don't really work, but they look like they do. So just pretend they work. Yeah. So we, we, we use the book of Revelation as a tool to look into the future, right? Many of us. Just like these binoculars, we're trying to see what's out there. But unless you adjust that little tiny wheel in the middle here, which is called the thumb wheel or the center knob, as I learned, let's call it center knob. Unless you adjust the center knob, everything will be blurry. You need to adjust it and, and, and spin that wheel until things become sharp and you start identifying and seeing what really is out there. And I would like to propose that chapter one of the book of Revelation is like that center knob. When we approach this book of Revelation, when we want to use it to look into the future, unless we, we properly digest and, and understand what chapter one is all about, we're going to look and we will see things quite blurry. And we will be in danger of being led into all kinds of weird prophetic rabbit holes that we were never meant to end up in. So chapter 1 basically has three parts to it. First is the prologue, verses 1 through 3. Then in your Bibles it says, greetings to the seven churches. In other parts it's called the doxology. There's a lot of worship going on here. It's verses 4 through 8. And then we have almost half the chapter, verse, verses 9 through 20, called the vision of the Son of Man, obviously the vision of Jesus. I want to touch on each of these three parts briefly. First of all, the prologue, verse 1, is so important for the entire book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about the whatever mark of the beast, you know, or whatever number the Antichrist will have tattooed on his forehead or whatever. No, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is all about him. It is from him. It is about him. It is through him. It is all about Jesus. Revelation is about the testimony of Jesus and it is about calling us as the people of God to respond in faithfulness to Jesus. If you want to summarize the purpose of Revelation, you can probably do it that way. Revelation is about the testimony of Jesus, and it is about calling us into faithfulness to Jesus. That is what Revelation is all about. Yes, it is prophetic, and prophecy always has some predictive element to it. But the main purpose of the prophetic is to make Jesus clear. It actually says in the book of Revelation in chapter 19, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If we use prophecy only to try to predict what's going to happen next year or in two years or in five years, we're kind of missing the point of prophecy. The main point of prophecy is to paint a clearer picture of who Jesus is and what he is doing and what he is saying to the churches. Prophecy is, is about Christ, and it is from Christ. And we need to, to really get a hold of that and rediscover this prophetic nature of, of the book of Revelation. Do you, know how they, do you know how they train investigators, federal investigators, who deal with fraudulent money, with counterfeit money? Do you know how they train them to identify which money is counterfeit and which bills are original they give them the original bills, the, the true money, and they let them spend hours and hours and hours and hours examine 
examining these original bills. They touch them, they look at them, they explore them, they, they, they know what the real thing looks like so that if ever somebody gives them a false bill or a false note, they immediately can tell, no, no, that's, that's, a, that's, not, that's a counterfeit. I believe this is how the prophetic is supposed to work. We're supposed to be so exploring the depth and the beauty and the amazingness, I don't know if this word exists, but I just make it up, of Jesus, that when we get something else into our hands, we're immediately realizing, oh gosh, no, that doesn't feel, that doesn't smell, that doesn't look, that doesn't taste like Jesus. I'm not going to go there. I think the book of Revelation has often been abused in a way, and we, we go into the depths of evil and what is Satan up to and what might you know, and we get so caught up with all this stuff, and it has its place. I'm not saying it's useless. It's in the Bible for a purpose, and yet, I think we need to be spending much more time seeing Jesus in this book. All right, this was the first half of verse one. <laughs> we got 19 and a half more verses to discover. <laughs> No, I'll make it a bit faster. Again, it's, it's like a beautiful buffet, Revelation chapter 1. But we are time-bound here. And I'm German, and I need to stick to my time. Okay, so I, um, Let's go to verses 4 through 8. It's a doxology. I want to read verse 5 to you specifically. You can read along with me here. It says, and from, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth... To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now, this is amazing because we have to remember that the guy who's writing this book is sitting in exile on the island called Patmos, and he's writing to churches that are all being persecuted. And he's writing this. Why is this interesting? Because he's giving descriptions of Jesus that declare a different reality than what they are experiencing in their, in their natural physical lives here. And I find it very interesting that he gives these three different descriptions about who Jesus is. He calls him the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. And what I find especially interesting is that the first title that Jesus is given in the entire book of Revelation is the title of faithful witness. And I'm I just kind of wondered because that's not a title that usually comes into my mind very quickly when I think about what, how would I describe Jesus. Oh, oh yeah, he's the faithful witness. No, I, I, what comes to my mind is more things like he's the Lamb of God, he's the friend of sinners, he's the King of kings, that kind of stuff, right? But faithful witness, why is John putting that description first? I think it's, it's interesting because... Like I said earlier, I believe that this is one of the main purposes of the book of Revelation is to call the people of God into faithfulness to Christ. And so Christ himself is presented as the most faithful one. And I believe this speaks into every generation, not just the first generation of churches that received this actual letter called Revelation, but even to us because we're all in danger every day of worshiping wrong idols of little, you know how it is. We're getting pulled away from Jesus, and our faithfulness to him is, is being attacked every day. And so I believe the book of Revelation is very relevant in calling us to faithfulness again today, regardless, again, of who the beast is, who the dragon is, all of that. The question is, are you faithful to Jesus with your whole life?
That is the question. Firstborn among the dead. We're not going in there now. We don't have time, but we just celebrated Easter. So there's an Easter element in here. Ruler of the kings of the earth. What a statement. Again, written to churches who are being persecuted by Roman officials and governors. And here John says, yes, these guys might be persecuting you, but they don't know that the true ruler of the kings of the earth is Jesus Christ. And we might be wondering the same today. There's so much evil happening, and we, we think, oh my goodness, how can God allow all this? And yet somehow Jesus is on the throne, and he still is the ruler of the kings of the earth, even right now as we speak. And then John moves on, and he presents the gospel in, in a nutshell here in, in verse 6. He says, he reminds the churches that Jesus is the one who loves them. He who loves us and has freed us by his blood. Yes, you might be sitting in prison, yet you might be persecuted for your faith. And yes, at the same time, you are free. It's the paradox of the kingdom of God clashing with the kingdoms of this world. We might be in bondage. We might be in difficulty. And yes, the truth is that we have been set free by the blood of Jesus. What a powerful, encouraging reminder for the first generation of Christians and for us today. And then we come to the third part, the vision of Jesus. And I think this is very, very remarkable. And there's a lot of beautiful imagery in here. And I think this is now where we really apply the center knob and look more and more clearly into what the book of Revelation is trying to tell us. I want to actually encourage you on your own to at home maybe, to take this vision of the Son of Man passage here and to read through that slowly, to meditate on it, to imagine it. Imagine yourself in the shoes of John seeing this vision of Jesus. Pray over it. Maybe memorize it. Like the federal investigators become so familiar and so used to what the truth feels and looks like through these beautiful verses. In fact, let's do that a little bit here with some of the descriptions about Jesus. We see here that in verse 13, he had this rope with a golden sash. So he almost looked like me this morning here. It's just not white here, it was gold, right? <laughs> what is that picture? It's the picture of the high priest in the Old Testament. So Jesus appears as the high priest to John. And his hair is is as white as wool and white as snow, and that's where Jesus looks a bit different than me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's just pure beauty and glory. It says his eyes are like blazing fire. I mean, imagine that. Imagine looking into Jesus' eyes, and you look at his eyes, and you don't see the normal pupils of humans, but you see, you see flames, you see fire looking at you. Burning up all the lies that you've believed in your head about him. Just bringing purity, the fire of purity, the fire that burns and yet doesn't consume. Similar to the burning bush that Moses saw that was burning but wasn't consumed by the fire. It was the presence of God. So the presence of God, the fire of God burning in Jesus' eyes. Everywhere he looks, he sees exactly what is going on. There is no deceit. There is no wrong. There is no lies. There is no filters applied through social media or news networks or whatever. No, he sees exactly what is, what is true. Are we willing to look into these eyes of fire ourselves?
Imagine the brightness of his appearance. John describes him as bright as the sun. Jesus walks into a room and there is no darkness. You know, when you switch on the light in a room, there is no battle between darkness and light. The dar darkness doesn't say, oh, I want to stay here, I want to stay dark. No. The moment you switch on the light, darkness flees, right? And it's the same with Christ. The moment he steps into a room, darkness leaves because he is the light of the world. He steps into our lives, he lightens up our lives. That's the kind of Jesus that John is seeing and describing. His feet are like bronze, unshakable. He has a firm grip. He stands in peace. His voice is like the roar of many waters. John is describing the eternal Son of God. And the more I spent time with these verses, the more I just felt like we should just close the book of Revelation right here and just spend an hour just worshiping Jesus right now. We should just worship him. We should just lay down our lives before him. Before we go into any of the other crazy chapters, right? Let's just spend some time right here, right now, just worshiping the Son of God. A sword comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Probably look kind of funny, but there's so much depth in, in all this imagery that, that, that John is using here. And you know what? That actually happened to John. It says in the next verse, when he saw that, he fell like dead before Christ. The same John who at the Last Supper was cuddling up at Jesus' chest. you remember that story when he said, one of you will betray me? And they were all like, oh, who is it? Who is it? And Peter is, hey, John, ask Jesus who will betray him. For some reason, John must have had a really special relationship with Christ. So we read in, in, the, in the gospel that John cuddled up and put his head on Jesus' chest and said, hey, Jesus, who will betray you? And here we have the same people again, John and Jesus, But this time, there's no cuddle time, right? This time, Jesus reveals his divinity and the eternality of his, of, of his sonship as the Son of God, and it is so overwhelming that the same John collapses as if he is dead before him. Look, we can never become too familiar with Christ. We can never become too comfortable with Christ. I like how C.S. Lewis described Aslan in the book of Narnia. Many of you have heard that quote. Aslan is good, but he's not tame. He won't be your circus lion, but he's good. And the same is true with Jesus. There are times where you can cuddle up on his chest and ask him intimate questions, but there are also times where his glory might overwhelm us, so much so that we would collapse in his presence. But he's not doing that to torture us or anything. He's doing that just to kind of invite us into a deeper dimension of intimacy with him based on the fear of the Lord. And then Jesus himself calls himself the first and the last. He applies the titles giving to God himself to himself in this moment. He calls himself the living one, the one who holds the keys of death and Hades. 
Revelation is clear that Jesus is God. So nothing yet about a beast, a dragon, 666, (laughs) the mark of the beast. None of that. The whole purpose of Revelation chapter 1. And I want to argue the whole purpose of the entire book of Revelation is to reveal Jesus more clearly, more powerfully, more gloriously, so that we can fall more in love with Him, so that we can more fully surrender to Him, so that we can become more faithful to Him. And from that place, from that heart's attitude, we can then approach the rest of Revelation, look through it, and more sharply discern what's going on out there. But unless we have that adjustment, I think this book of Revelation will be very dangerous for all of us. So no matter how many more viruses there might sweep across this world or how many more dictators do crazy things or how many more whatever things are going on, it doesn't really matter. What matters is is if we are the church that reflects Jesus into this world. So how might you be called to a more faithful response in this time? If Jesus appeared to you in this way, what area in your life would you maybe have to surrender to him out of faithfulness to him at this time? Where are you maybe holding back? That's what I want to challenge you and myself with as we go through this book of Revelation. Let us allow this book to call us into deeper, greater faithfulness to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we need help. We need help to see your son more clearly. We need help to love him more fully, and we need help to respond to him more faithfully. And may you use these next weeks as we go through the book of Revelation, may you use that to help us do that, to respond in faithfulness to your son, to fall more in love with him. Come expose the idols of our hearts and replace them with the one true God, your son. In Jesus' name, amen. This Sunday is Baptism Sunday. We will not have baptisms at this service, but there will be a number at the 1045 service. So one of the ways, Lenny, that we can adjust ourselves to our relationship with Jesus is by renewing our baptismal vows. So I'm asking you to turn in the prayer book, I think it'll be on the screen too, uh, page 194, and please stand as we renew our baptismal vows. Through the Paschal mystery, dear friends, we are buried with Christ by baptism into his death, and raised with him to newness of life, I call upon you now, now that our Lenten observance is ended, to renew the solemn promises and vows of holy baptism
by which we once renounced the devil and all his works and promised to serve God faithfully in his holy Catholic and apostolic church. Do you here in the presence of God and the church renew the solemn promises and vows made at your baptism and commit yourselves to keep them? Do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? And do you turn to Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and Savior? Do you joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? Will you obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of your life? Now let us reaffirm our faith in the words of the ancient baptismal confession, the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? Do you believe and trust in Jesus Christ? He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I do. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their doctrine, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Now please kneel or sit as you are able as we continue with the prayers of the people. As we enter prayer now, you are invited to speak aloud your requests, uniting your requests with this body of Christ. As we come together before the throne of God, come Holy Spirit and lead us in your prayers, in our prayers. Your resurrection proves all your promises are true. You are alive now, reigning in heaven, 
and we can be confident that you will return again as you promised. You will redeem your created world and will establish justice on this earth. Pray for Christ's return soon and pray for a situation in the world that needs justice. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, may the radiance of your light in rising from the grave illuminate and banish the darkness in your church, that she may reflect your glory and resound with your praises. Pray for a specific way that the universal church can maintain holiness in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, as we invite ourselves to you in dying to self, help us as a congregation to seek ways to stir one another up to love and good deeds as we see the day of your return drawing near. Pray for ways that you can encourage other members of our church. Pray for the leadership of our church and for the selection of our new bishop. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, by your resurrection, you've won victory over death and the devil. You have delivered us from our fear of death, which had subjected us to slavery all of our lives. Because you live, we will live again, too. By your power, you have raised us to walk with you in newness of life and have victory over our sin. We pray for those who are in need of healing. Jim, Don, Deanna, Anita, Roberta, Jerry, Kay, Bill, Bonnie, Paula, Kay, Steve. Pray for attentiveness to God in your own life, noticing opportunities to share Christ's newness of life with others. Lord, in your mercy, Jesus, your resurrection is proof that your vicarious offering for our sin was accepted. The claims of God's justice are satisfied and the power of the devil over us is vanquished. We praise you now and forever. Amen. As we kneel, let's humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus so loved the world that he gave himself that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us pass the peace with one another. Church. Thank you. <clears throat> Last week during Holy Week, we we saw and heard and shared in Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper. We come now to the time in the service when we come to the table of the Lord. We invite in this church all baptized persons, whatever your background, if you're a baptized Christian, sincerely following Jesus, we would like to share communion with you. If you don't want to receive communion, but would like a prayer of blessing, cross your arms like this at the altar, and we will ask God to bless you. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive.
All things come of thee, O Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But chiefly are we bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was offered for us and has taken away the sins of the world, who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again has won for us everlasting life. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. sit now as you're able as we continue in prayer. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death, we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ Jesus died for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Amen. Within the veil, 
come with trumpet sound Oh may I then in him be found Dressed in his righteousness alone Fallen and before the throne Christ
together the post-communion prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. Now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. I think you better be seated. I have a load of announcements here. Most of them are in the bulletin. So if you'd like me to be brief, read the bulletin. They're in there. Uh, tonight is the final gathering for the Alpha Course, gathering at 5 p.m. tonight. On Tuesday at 7 p.m., there will be a Revelation teaching night like we did when we began the sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. It will be here in the church at 7. There'll be snacks and fellowship and, and a couple of teachings. Coming up next Sunday is Grace Has Got Talent. Grace Has Got Talent next Sunday. Wednesday is the deadline to get the tickets. Uh, I'm told to tell you not to miss this. This is a fun night, dinner, silent auction, talent show, uh, talents of many people who you know here in the church. Uh, Actually, on that night, I'm at a Kairos weekend, so you will not get to see my talent, which uh, n no doubt would 
get great accolades, but <laughs> the mission of the week this week is Young Life. So I want to call Nikki Johnston and, 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 uh, and all Young Life and Young Lives volunteers and leaders to come up, please. In Clay County, the Young Life Club meets here at the barn. Uh, the Wildlife Club for Middle School Kids meets at Sacred Heart Catholic Church. Young Life Club for Teen Moms is held at High Point Community Church. There's an active partnership with Young Life Africa in Tanzania, Capernaum Club, Young People with Disabilities it meets at Grace Episcopal Church. This is a very wide community uh, effort. And I just want to say a prayer here, Nikki, for what y'all are doing. And I, I, I thank you, Lord, for the leaders, the volunteers, the administrators. Thank you for this vision from long ago. It's been going many years. Many people we know are here with us today because of Young Life. Lord, I... I remember my teenage years, how, how different it might have been had there been a Young Life program. It could have saved me a decade of misery and confusion. So Lord, I lift them up to you. I ask that you bless them. I ask that you fill them with your spirit, uh, that they might bless these young people whom they share their lives with. In Jesus' name, amen. The last announcement has to do with the clothes closet and food pantry. It's a time-sensitive announcement. This is a a ministry that we uh, support here. There is a grant opportunity for $25,000, but it's awarded by public votes. You can learn how to vote by going on Wired, and, and it'll send the leak. You can vote 10 times a day, as many days as you want. So you're encouraged to do that, uh, and we hope that together this grant might come in, in the direction of the closed closet and the 
food pantry. I hope that's all. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let's stand for our final song. peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.